The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. And we finally had some time to take a look at the tape, see exactly what happened on the film after the Giants suffered a loss to the Arizona Cardinals. A game that, if you go back and watch it, it makes you wonder how they weren't able to come up on the other side of it and come out with a victory, as a lot of people expected them to win this game going into it. So... positives and negatives offensively and defensively that we're going to attack here and break down like we always do in our deep dive film breakdown episode so first things first up for the offense not a ton of positives but there's some some that need to be highlighted and one of the first ones is a touchdown that was caught by Rhett Ellison in an overall good play by the offense yeah that that was probably their best play of the game and that would have been a really good play in any game, but considering how the rest of the team performed on most of the other most eh, on most of their other plays, it was one that really stood out. Jones had a very nice throw. He made it a quick decision, and he put the ball really where only Rhett Ellison could get it. Yeah, there was a safety coming down, but he didn't quite have enough time to get in there and make a play on the ball. It pretty much just hit Ellison right in the hands. It was a nice designed play with Ellison coming up from the tight end position, hitting the opposite seam right into avoiding coverage all the way around. That was a great play. They weren't really able to get Evan Ingram going, but it was good to see that a tight end was able to have a good play. That being Rhett Ellison. Just the reason why though, I wanted to talk about this play though, is just like you said, great ball placement by Daniel Jones. It was a tight window. If it was misplaced just a little bit by a couple yards or so, it would have been picked off because he was throwing into some tight coverage, but because he placed it so well, it was able to go right into the hands of Red Ellison, ultimately giving them a touchdown. So just a positive thing, and we talked about this yesterday, saying that we're sick and tired of the flashes, but again, we still have to acknowledge them. We still have to be a little bit positive because eventually... If they continue to rep these things out in games, it should become consistency. It should become a consistent effort by the offense. I think, though, overall, I I would have to give a nod to a bunch of his throws. I don't think he had a horrible day throwing the ball. 
besides the one interception that we're going to get to, I think that there were a lot of throws that he had to get the ball out quickly because guys were bearing down on him and he had to force it into a very, very tight spot and was able to create those completions. Yeah, you know, interestingly, this was actually his, per NFL Next Gen stats, his best game for throwing into coverage. He only threw into coverage on 11% of his throws per Next Gen stats, which was by far his lowest rate of the year. So I think the Giants were doing a much better job of scheming him some open windows, if not exactly open throws, at least decent-sized windows to throw into. And he was taking advantage of them. With a relatively depleted receiving core, it's good that in some situations where there wasn't a wide open guy that he is being able to find someone and like I said, place it in a spot where a guy can make a a play on it away from a defender. Another positive we had was the second touchdown drive. And I, when I was watching the tape, I was overall a little bit disappointed with the performance on offense. But as soon as I started watching the second touchdown drive, I actually sat up in my chair and I was like, wow, this actually looks like what we wanted. This looks exactly like what we've expected this Giants offense to do and what they've done successfully throughout the games where they've had good offensive production. He was able to get the ball out quick, Daniel Jones. Um, He was able to have good protection, not really being taken down as often as he was earlier in the game and had as many hands in his face, but getting the ball out quickly, quick passing concepts, finding open guys, And additionally, he was much smarter in identifying when there is no one to throw to and that he needed to make that decision to just bail and pick up a few yards. He did that, I believe, twice on this drive, and it was able to set up a seven-yard touchdown run by Saquon Barkley. Yeah, that that drive was exactly what the Giants' offense is supposed to look like under Pat Shermer. That is exactly what he wants to do. Getting big run-after-catch opportunities like – Golden Tate breaking a tackle, making a guy miss, and turning a quick pass into a decent-sized gain, Uh, getting a good run from Saquon Barkley, getting a quick, easy reception off of uh, Evan Ingram. Those are the kinds of things this offense is built to do, and it was a nice, methodical drive when they needed to have one. I think the problem, and this is going back to the beginning of last year, is we just don't see these types of drives often enough the Giants aren't able to just do that every time they have the ball or even most of the times they have the ball yeah it's great to see it's encouraging to see we just need to see it more seeing these drives exactly the way that you put it seeing these drives makes us know that we're capable or that they're capable of putting these drives together and they're capable of stringing together multiple play long touchdown drives It just needs at some point to be established consistency. We're going to keep harping on that until they hit that point where they're able to do this, not on two drives, but on over five. Maybe, okay, that's a little bit, um, a little bit too high, but still over two needs to be the goal. You can't be having three and outs. You can't be getting sacks on third down like they were in other drives, but being in the red zone, pushing the ball downfield four to five times a game. That's ultimately your goal. That's how you want to have a productive day on offense. So negatives now, and we obviously are going to have negatives after a loss. The first one we said we were going to break down after we looked at the film, not a ton to break down here though, was Daniel Jones interception, which 
was really a result of him forcing the ball somewhere the ball did not belong. Just rewatching that, it was kind of similar to the interception last week when he had decided, I think when the huddle broke, that he was going to Red Ellison, even though he was well covered and he should have gone pretty much anywhere else but to Ellison. In this one, he it looked like he decided he was going to Golden Tate and... Tate was double covered, and the best thing that could have happened to that ball was it being an incompletion and them having to punt. Yeah, that was really the only best possible scenario for that play. However, he did choose to force it into a spot that was very, very difficult. There were two corners or defensive backs, or no, sorry, it was actually um, Jordan Hicks who made the play. So there were two defenders in that spot where he really didn't have an available option. When I watched it, it almost seemed like he was a bit flustered. There wasn't really as much intense pressure as he was facing at other points in the game, but he still looked like he we he felt like someone was breathing down his neck and he was so rushed. Even though he didn't have to be, he rushed himself and he forced it out into a spot where it, it really should not have been thrown. And this is the result of what I said in the Quick Take show is that when you have a rookie quarterback who's getting hit as often as he was yesterday, he's going to get timid. He's going to make bad decisions because he's constantly worried about being hit even when there isn't any immediate impending pressure coming down on him. So I think it was just a rookie mistake. I think he was just, like I said, flustered, and he was trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible and maybe by some you know, grace that he thought that he was possibly going to be open once he threw it. Yeah, or he was maybe trying to trust his arm to fit the ball into that window before it closed, but it was really never even open. Yeah, Jordan Hicks is a guy we probably should have mentioned in our preview as a guy on the Cardinals' defense to watch because back when he was a Philadelphia Eagle, he was a very good linebacker. He, he was one of the best linebackers in the league back in like 2015 and 2016 for the Eagles, then some injuries set in. And I think people kind of forgot about him. I, I think we, we forgot about him. Well, he made us pay attention again yesterday. And you mentioned Jones's ball placement. And I think the hits he took over the course of the game did start to get to him, which we will get into the last four and a half minutes of the game in due time. Maybe this will lead right into it, but I did notice at the end of the game, his ball placement was just all over the place. Maybe those hits did start to accumulate and he did start rushing things and maybe getting a little bit flustered. Progressively towards the end of the game, he did appear more and more rushed in in his in his decision making and some of his throws like you pointed out or a bit off target compared to what they were like earlier in the game another negative we had from this is that Saquon Barkley might have been available and he might have been considered healthy and he might have been toughing it out to come into play but he clearly wasn't fully healthy now if he chooses he wants to play that's great and he was able to contribute and have a relatively productive day coming off of an injury but the thing that doesn't really make any sense to me though is why he was on the field as much as he was when you also had Wayne Goldman who proved he can handle a legitimate workload as a running back 
I just think that they should have taken a few away from Barkley and given some more to Goleman because there were a bunch of plays, like a good handful, in which Saquon Barkley did not have his apparent burst and um, quick feet that he usually does. But for some reason, you know, he wasn't able to find any lanes and he took some pretty big negative uh, rushing losses. So if you're if you're running back, your star running back isn't able to play up to his full potential, you might as well give the carries to a backup running back who is Wayne Gallman, who has proven that he can actually be a uh, a decent player. Yeah, you know, we have seen good play from Wayne Gallman. We know he can be a complete running back in this offense. You know, no, he's not going to be as explosive as Saquon Barkley is when he's healthy, but Saquon Barkley is not healthy. And even though the Giants put him out there and let him be competitive and try to gut his way through the injury and play, try to contribute, a high ankle sprain is not a three or four week injury. Basically, with that injury, the ligament that holds the bones of the bottom of your leg together tears. So that is a significant injury. And ligaments take time to heal. They don't get a whole lot of blood flow. And it's just something that takes time. And I don't care what kind of physical athletic freak you are, unless you have really, really weird biology, those ligaments are not getting enough blood to heal nearly as quickly as just a regular ankle sprain. So they probably should have given Wayne Gallman more chances, more opportunities to play, because he can catch the ball, he can pass protect, he can run well enough to keep the offense on schedule. So even if you're not going to get those explosive plays, you're at least going to get steady play out of him and take reps off of Barkley's ankle. You brought to light perfectly how bad it can be having an ankle injury like that and how much it can impact your explosiveness and ability to play. Barkley ended up having 18 carries, which isn't a full workload for him. I just think that he should have been more in that 14 carry range, get him off the field. And so maybe he wouldn't have had as many negative rushes as I pointed out. Um, He also had that um, huge chunk that he lost on a ball that was thrown to him. I think that if you have Wayne Goldman, don't just stick him out there to play. Give him some carries. At least try and do something. The overall game plan in the rain should have been to run the ball more than they typically do. 35 passing attempts in a torrential downpour is just not going to work. No matter how talented your receivers are and they're not wearing their gloves, they're not going to be able to catch every single ball. You have to anticipate miscues. You also have to anticipate a rookie quarterback who's not entirely used to the environment and the climate of New Jersey in dealing with that type of rain that he's probably going to have the amount of fumbles that he did once the ball gets swiped at when guys are coming down at him and uh, and, and ready to make plays and sack him. So I'm not overly surprised in the, the poor performance in the passing game and the amount of fumbles considering their willingness to constantly lean on the passing game and not really get a run game going. A final negative that we have is one that we spoke about yesterday, and it's just going back to what we said is there was no pass protection. Eight sacks, 12 quarterback hits, no quarterback can do well in those conditions. 
No, not not at all. For me, the concern is that it looked like there was really not very much communication along the offensive line. We saw the Cardinals repeatedly getting free rushers. It wasn't just that their front seven was beating the Giants' pass protection, which did happen, and it happened across the board. You know, even the guards, which were supposed to be the strength of this offensive line, were getting beat, which should also be a concern in its own right. But there were free rushers on a number of plays, and even if the Giants were able to get the ball off and make positive yardage, you can't give up free rushers again and again and again and not expect the defense to eventually get home, which was what we saw at the end of the game. There was one play. It was inside of four minutes left in the game. It was the sixth sack, I believe, of Daniel Jones. It was one of Chandler Jones's sacks, which narrows it down slightly. And the Cardinals had called a blitz. It was a I believe it was a slot blitz. Mike Remmers goes over to pick up the blitzing defensive defensive back, which gave up a free run to Chandler Jones. And Saquon Barkley was apparently supposed to pick it up, except he winds up going over to try to pick up the DB blitz, which Remmers had already picked up, giving Chandler Jones the free rush to Daniel Jones. I rewatched it a few times in slow motion, trying to figure out just what happened. I don't want to believe that Saquon Barkley just wanted nothing to do with Chandler Jones. I have to believe that either the protection call was screwed up, or maybe Mike Remmers made a mistake, because I can't imagine a protection call that would have a right tackle picking up a blitzing defensive back and ask a running back to block Chandler Jones. I just can't imagine that protection call. The Giants' pass protection just as a whole, from schematic and play, it was kind of a mess. Breaking down blitz pickup is, at its fundamental core, is really just communication and identifying who needs to pick up who. That's why before the play you see offensive linemen and you see the quarterback motioning and pointing at different guys because they're identifying who they now are responsible for and who they have to pick up. They clearly were not in good communication throughout the game because too many instances where a lot of free guys were able to come through. Something needs to be fixed because we do see it from time to time with these blitzes, but yesterday was the clearest and fullest example of not being able to properly communicate. And once you put something like that on tape, other teams are going to start blitzing like crazy because they know that the Giants' defense will not have an easy time in picking it up. Now we're going to take a look at the defense and give you our positives and negatives from the game. But before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Defensively, there were actually some positives from this game, but there were obviously the negatives that ended up hurting them and giving up the 27 points that led to the eventual loss. But the first positive that we have here is containing in a very explosive and electric quarterback, which is Kyler Murray, the first overall pick, who is very small, very, very shifty with a cannon for an arm, plays like a baseball player, and they were able to bottle him up, keep him from having any big runs, keeping him from allowing his feet to extend plays like we spoke about in the preview. They were actually very, very successful in doing that, and he also only had 10 carries for 28 yards, Yards Overall, though, I just want to say that that was probably their best performance on defense was slowing him down, containing him, because very few defenses have been able to do so so far this year. Definitely. Murray was coming off a game where he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He played great against the Cardinals, which, granted, they've been making a lot of quarterbacks look great lately. But he is such a rare combination of athletic ability and arm talent and he puts that diverse athletic background to use. He does have some Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson to his game, which this is an aside, but looking forward, I could definitely see teams start to uh, look for quarterbacks with baseball backgrounds just because of the play of Mahomes and Wilson and now Murray as well. But the Giants did a good job containing him, especially on the ground. Yeah, I'm not sure if the decision to not throw the ball on Arizona's part was just part of their game plan or if it was due to things the Giants were doing on the back end because unfortunately we don't have the all 22 available so we can't get a great look at the coverage. The TV angle just absolutely sucks for anything in the back seven. Overall, just how the Giants played Murray and how they limited him should be seen as a win for their defense. A win for sure. Like I said, very, very hard to slow down Kyler Murray and keep him from using his legs to generate offense, generate opportunities for the offense, because he really is the perfect player for the air raid and what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do there in Arizona. Now, the negatives here are very important to note because while they were able to stop one of the better young quarterbacks in the rookie class, in the, in the, the first uh, and second year class of quarterbacks, while they were able to stop him, they did end up giving up a career day to Chase Edmonds, an FCS product from Fordham of all places. Small and shifty, just like Kyler Murray, very, very fast. And they really gave up a lot of good plays to him. They were beat by speed in this game because they were allowed. They were allowing them to get Edmonds in space. So 
we see it from time and time again that the Giants just struggle to stop athletic players like Chase Edmonds, guys that are quick, just because at a lot of positions on defense, they do not have the same level of athleticism to match it. Yeah, and even where they do have athleticism, it seems like there are some, they're a little bit slower in the mental footwork department. The Giants do need speed on defense, and at times we saw them basically straight up admit that and play very light defensive packages, you know, dime packages, seven defensive backs on the field at some points. They didn't have any linebackers. That also, I think, kind of played into their struggles against the run because even though they could play faster, they just didn't have guys who could get off blocks to make those tackles, which was a, a thing that cropped up a few times, especially on Edmonds' three 20-yard touchdown runs. There were instances where the Giants could have brought him down and just had it be a nice gain by him, but they just couldn't get off blocks. They couldn't get themselves into position to make the tackle, and he was able to just use that burst of his to get past them and turn it into a long touchdown run. The Cardinals offense put the Giants defense in a bind and they just struggled to match up. This point goes in line with our final negative that we have is that I think this stemmed from James Betcher really being outcoached by Cliff Kingsbury because Kingsbury was smart enough to realize the conditions and also realize that the Giants were going to be sailing out to slow down the passing game. So he was using their quick and shifty backup running back in Edmonds to generate pretty much all of their offense. He had three rushing touchdowns and over 100 yards on the day. If you just look at the, the the coaching, defensive coaching from this game, they could not get off the field. There were multiple times where they were able to slow down the Cardinals on first and second down, and then like on a third and five or longer, multiple times, they were giving up first downs. They ended up giving up seven for 15 on third down conversions, which isn't an astounding rate. It still is a pretty good third down conversion number, and that number was probably a lot higher earlier in the game than it was later in the game when the Giants were able to actually make some stops on third down. I don't know if you entirely agree with me, though, Chris, but I just I think this comes from being outcoached by a, a first-year coach who's calling a, an offense that is new to the NFL. You know, I'm right there with you. I am actually now a fan of Cliff Kingsbury's coaching and his ability to script and sequence plays. I, I don't know how the Giants were apparently surprised by a lot of the things they saw, especially in the first quarter. Like the, just for instance, the Cardinals' fourth down conversion. Just watching, I pretty much knew it was coming based on their third down play. Like there's only one reason to call the, I believe I believe it was a draw on that play. And that was to put them into a man, manageable fourth down because their third down play call only had like it had almost no chance of actually working and actually converting the third down they knew on third down they were going for it on fourth down and the way Kingsbury was able to really sequence his plays and let one play lead to another let one concept build on another like how they would consistently use uh, wide receiver motion jet motion 
to get the defense looking somewhere else and then run where they were not looking. But then once the Giants defense started to kind of get used to that, they actually did give the ball to Andy Isabella and let him run with it. Just that kind of uh, coaching job was really good by Kingsbury, and it it should be kind of embarrassing for James Betcher to get outcoached like that. Embarrassing indeed that they, they were out-schemed by a guy that was in his first year who has no NFL experience at all. The final point that we have here, which I will always stand by, that if there is a big special teams play, we will have to highlight it. Also, if there's a big special teams gaffe, we will also talk about it. So throwing in the special teams segment, there was a blocked punt that was resulted in a, a touchdown for the Giants, and I just want to take some time to break it down. Um, on the play, they had a little delay with Michael Thomas, who was originally in the opposite A-gap, and then as soon as the ball was snapped... He kind of looped and went into the other A-gap, and then because of a missed communication and a missed assignment from the left guard on that punt play, he had a straight line, a straight path right to the punter, and just a great heads-up play by Michael Thomas, who was a pro bowler as a special teams player, getting the block on that play. Elijah Penny recovers the touchdown. I think more and more, if they can build on stuff like that, maybe you're not going to get a bunch of block punts because it's very, very hard to block punts like that. You really need to rely on somebody making a mistake. They can at least build on that and and try to get some more big special teams play because, I mean, overall, they've had a relatively good year on special teams. Yeah, that probably has been their best and most consistent phase of the game is just their special teams in general. I would say I would... I would have preferred Michael Thomas not try to dive on the ball after stepping out of the back of the end zone. But I understand being excited and, you know, just wanting to finish the play. But that could have been, you know, that, that could have been a sour ending to a great play if he had and gotten penalized for being the first player to touch the ball. Luckily, Elijah Penny was there. He dove on it. And it was, you know, really a great play all just all the way around. A great play, again, something that needs to be built on and continue going forward as special teams has been an underrated bright spot for this Giants team. That's going to be it from us, folks, and thank you for tuning in as always. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And additionally, follow us on Twitter at BigBlueView. Follow Chris and I at Joe DeLeon and at RaptorMKII. Feel free to follow and tweet at us. I love interacting with people, talking to people. So if you ever have any questions or any insight, again, feel free to tweet at us. We'll definitely get back to you if we can. Um, Also follow the Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Thank you for tuning in, folks. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.